Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. Female fight fans to the two minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 122. Happy New Year 2022, episode number 122. We are back after taking a little bit of time off for the holiday season. My name is Felipe Leon from San Diego slash Tijuana, and with us, like always, all the way from the in the Bay Area, staying warm and cozy, Miss Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Happy New Year, everybody. And in the Inland Empire, just east of his hometown of East L.A., staying warm in the sun. He was happy because of the weather. Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good, and Happy New Year to everybody. Good, good. I'm very, very, very excited to be on the show again, once again, to speak about female boxing. There's a lot going on. There's big things that we're expecting in 2022. We do have a little bit of bad news before we start. We did have scheduled uh, current WBA 105-pound champion, Mesenesa Superbad Estrada. But unfortunately, uh, she had to uh, recuse herself from the show. That's not a problem. She's a big friend of the show. She promised to be with us soon. So I'm sure that next time she's going to make the big, big effort to be with us. Obviously, she had a little bit else going on but that is okay because we do have a lot to talk about we're going to give a little bit of of a review of what went down in the last couple of weeks in female boxing we got a speakerphone going on over there and then also um we're going to go back and see uh we give give you the two minute round awards for 2021 we're also going to see what is coming up next in the year or what we want to see come up next in the year of 2022 and also what is coming up next in the next couple of weeks our next show is scheduled for january 20th and if you do want to call in and talk to us about female boxing you can do so at uh 323-580-5735 323-580-5735 so let's go back fairly quickly here to the fight results starting on saturday december 11th from the echo arena in liverpool England on the zone, Miss Katie Taylor scored a unanimous decision over Firuza Sharipova in a scheduled 10 rounder at 135 pounds. She defended her WBA, WBC, WBO, and IBF title scores there were 98 92, 97 92, and 96 93. Lupi, did you see the same Katie Taylor that we've seen in the past, or did you see something that maybe? gives us an, an inclination there's a little bit of a chink in the armor on this performance from Katie Taylor. Lupi, are you there? Did you put it in mute? Sorry about that. From what I remember, I think I did see a little chink in the armor, a little bit of a slower Katie Taylor from what I remember. And I think that's a good thing for um, we got Jessica McCaskill, Amanda Serrano. I think it makes fair fights, maybe. But yeah, definitely did see a little bit of that. Did you see anything, David? Or did you see the the Katie Taylor of always? 
You know, I, I saw um, exactly what uh, Lupe just said about her slowing down, but it seemed to me, uh, just from an analytical standpoint, that she was basically uh, trying to load up for knockout. I think she's working on, you know, be, becoming more of a pro, and instead of just outpointing, it looks like she's going for knockouts now and trying to get timing and and trying to analyze the the punches coming from the other side so that she can time a, a bomb and 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 blow somebody out that way. Because uh, I think she understands that fighting Amanda, uh, if they do fight, which I'm almost certain they are going to fight, I think uh, she knows that she she needs a firepower to, to, to keep Amanda away. Hmm. Now, without revealing if you know something you're not supposed to say or not, We've we've been here before as far as the Katie Taylor's Amanda Serrano talk, and we got pretty close a couple of years ago when the Zone signed a three fight deal, well Matchroom Boxing slash the Zone signed a three fight deal with Amanda Serrano with the idea, and they actually publicly stated both parties Serrano and the Zone Eddie Hearn, that the idea was that for that third fight to be against Katie Taylor it didn't happen. So why are we so sure now? that it is going to happen in 2022 when they actually had a contract a couple of years ago and it didn't materialize. Well, that's easily explained because first it was canceled and then it was canceled again. And then after that, she didn't want to fight anymore. She didn't want to have to, to keep, uh, this is what I was told from Serrano's camp and the contract expired. Now, Eddie Hearn claimed that he had a, uh, uh, a signed agreement, but he never went to court because basically that contract expired. They had to sign a, another one, and they did not. And uh, basically, it was because of the the, the pandemic, and uh, because of that, she was free to go. Now, in this case, and then the other factor was they wanted her to go to England without her trainer, and you know how that goes. Nobody wants. No fighter wants to go alone without the trainer. That's a weird ask at a at a oh because of the COVID. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, because but that's a weird ask in a in a fight of this magnitude. I mean, obviously, if you've been in boxing long enough, you've seen it where you get these low level, you know, very small fights. In fact, I think that actually it wasn't without her trainer and the train it was because the young lady that passed away not uh some months ago in Canada forgot her name i'm sorry uh gonzalez was no it Jeanette? no Jeanette uh, or zapata. zapata she was there without her trainer but because her dad couldn't get in there as far as like a visa mm-hmm. but we've seen them in those type of fights where they do they don't want to spend the money to and sometimes the fighter goes by themselves but it would be a weird act for a, a fight of this magnitude for a man Serrano mm-hmm. not to show up with her camp. So um, one thing that we can say, what I've seen as far as social media, and we could only take it with a grain of salt from the source, is that Jake Paul, who is the promoter of Amanda Serrano with his Most Valuable Promotions uh, company, has publicly stated in his social media that he's going to take about seven months off from boxing mm-hmm. to concentrate on making 
the Katie Taylor Amanda Serrano fight. Now, with that said, Lupi, and this was what I was thinking about yesterday. You know, we've seen a, re- a renaissance in female boxing, and David actually wrote these two really great articles for the PrideFighters.com where he kind of did a review of all the major fights. And we were just talking about it off air before we went on that he actually had to, he couldn't include all the fights because the, 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 uh, the article would have been too long. So we are in a renaissance in female boxing, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more as far as we go into an awards. But one thing that we haven't seen, actually we have seen it, and I'm actually thinking about it right now, you know, Mikaela Mayer, Maiva Hamadouj was the main event on ESPN, you know. Um, so we can expect Lupi for the Katie Taylor to and Amanda Serrano fight to be the main event somewhere. I think so. And I think Jake Paul's going to make it happen. I mean, that's why he, like you said, he's taking the time off. Everybody wants a piece of female boxing right now. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in a, in a little bit on that. But go ahead, Lupi. No, everyone everyone wants a piece of it, and the time is now. And people like that are going to jump on, and let's hope they do it. We want it to happen. Now we've seen we've seen a pay per view main event female boxing, Clarissa Shields. David, do you think? And and with what we've seen with Jake Paul and Amanda Serrano, where the last I think two fights were on pay per view, do you see Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano being pay-per-view and the second follow-up question on that David do you think that Jake Paul makes a big enough offer to Katie Taylor to jump ship from the zone or vice versa that's a good that's a really good question um I'm sure it's going to come to a bid and whoever I'll bid the other is going to get the get the fight Mm. so um I I'm kind of hedging it's going to be Jake Paul I mean, mm. this guy knows what he's doing in terms of, uh, you know, getting uh, interest. And uh, so far, he's done a pretty good job. I mean, even his last fight where he, he it was a last-minute uh, replacement, people are, were putting the fight down because they said he only got, uh, uh, I forget what they said, some low number. And I was like, still, <laughs> that's incredible. Still good money. Yeah. He, yeah, he had great numbers. I was like, that was incredible. He fought yeah, somebody in the say, last minute. Let's say it was, like, say it was eighty thousand buys. You know, I mean, this. I mean, I don't remember the number. I don't remember see it. But even at, at eighty dollars, what was it? Sixty-five thousand. Let's say sixty-five thousand. Yeah, say sixty-five. Times $80. $80 you're looking at five point two million. But you got to divide that by two because the the pay-per-view provider gets half. You're still looking at $2.6 million, which it's a lot of money when you talked about female boxing, but that might be a lot of money in, you know, in the world of Jake Paul. But one thing about that, David, is that if this guy's taking seven months off, is he going to be on that card? Because I think that if we, because I think that what, who has been, you know, generating the interest on these Showtime pay-per-view cards involving Paul is him, you know? And I don't know if Amanda Serrano has enough pull to actually generate a good enough number for for a pay-per-view to be able to make a bid for Katie Taylor because you know Katie Taylor is going to be over a million dollars. She's been getting that from the zone. So why wouldn't she expect yeah. it in this type of fight against Amanda Serrano? And 
thinking about that pay-per-view from Clarissa Shields, I mean, they gave they didn't give us the number. They gave us the idea that it was good enough to be able to do another one, but we haven't seen the other one. Hmm. So that's, yeah, that's a little a bit of question. food for thought. You know, I just I just brought it back to the nineties and made Loopy go mm, like Arsenio Hall used to. Remember that? I don't know if you guys remember <laughs> that. Remember that? So then I'm dating yeah, myself yeah. really bad there. But anyways, uh, let's go. But let's you know one. what, Felipe? Go ahead. Can I just say something? That Jake Paul does have the eyeballs. He has the eyeballs on social media. Mm-hmm. And he can, if he does it the right way, because Amanda, not only is she tough, seven divisional champion, she's really cute. <laughs> you know, he can. it can be done. You just got to do it the right way. I think that he has to be involved as far as inside the ring, and maybe he becomes the same I made. Because I see Jake Paul doing that. Because he respects Amanda Serrano a lot, and he respects Timo Boxing to the mm-hmm. point where he takes money out of his own pocket and puts it in her pocket, which we've seen mm-hmm. and heard of, you know. And that's big, you know. I mean, I mean that's that's something big that's going on in, in that camp and in that company, and that's really that really shows, you know, how much he respects Amanda Serrano and her skill set and what she's accomplished. Mm-hmm. So I I would see I I, I could totally see him putting the pay-per-view together, making her the main event against Katie Taylor, and then making himself the semi-main event to bring in the eyeballs because I don't really think that Amanda Serrano against Katie Taylor is strong enough to generate pay-per-view so that you could pay both women over a million dollars. You know, um, I just don't think that, that, that we're there yet. I mean, we're headed there, but I don't think we're there yet. And, um, and, um, and, and then we'll see. And I don't think that the zone can generate the purses to pay both of them a million dollars either. So we're going to have to see which way we go with that. But what I did see a post, and I don't know if you guys remember seeing it, is that Amanda Serrano, after she fought uh, this last fight, we we're going to talk about a little bit uh, coming up. She did mention that, that Jake Paul had promised her she was going to make a million dollars against Katie Taylor. She posted that on her Twitter. So we'll see if that comes mm-hmm. to fruition. Let's go to Friday, December the 17th from the Bell Center in Montreal. Mary Eve DeCary scores a seventh-round TKO over Mexican Cynthia Lozano in a 10-rounder at 154 pounds, capturing the vacant IBF world title. Scores uh, the time there was 103. I didn't get to watch this fight. There wasn't a stream in the United States, but I saw clips. And I don't know if you guys saw clips, but Cynthia Lozano, I had seen her on box rack. She was 9-0. and being Mexican and being a 154-pounder, I didn't know um, how good she was or even if she was. And from the clips that I saw, she was horrendous. She had no uh, she had no place against uh, Mary Eve DeCarry, who's only lost claims to Clarissa Shields. Losing, oh I, I believe, the same title. So Mary DeCarry back on the win, back as a champion at 154 pounds. But one thing that I don't understand is, um, was was didn't Clarissa Shields win that title? What and now she didn't defend it, so now it becomes vacant. Because looking at the list, WBA World Champion at light middleweight is Hannah Rankin. WBC is Patricia Bergut. IBF is Marie Eve DeCarry again, and Clarissa Shields is the super champion for the WBO, but they don't name a regular champion, which was Anna Rankin, which she was stripped, and in the ring is Clarissa Shields. So, I guess that IBF stripped her of the title for not defending, David. No, I heard that she vacated it. Yeah, she vacated. She vacated the super welterweights. 
Okay, so she no, but she hasn't vacated the WBO, according to the list. I don't know. She vacated all of them. Okay, so this has yeah. She she said yeah. She went on her social media. Hmm. But she didn't really have to, right? I mean, unless they were asking her to defend, and she's like, "Well, I'm just gonna vacate because I'm not. I don't have any fight right now. I don't have a fight program." And she's looking to fight Emma Cozen, who is the interim middleweight uh, WBC champion, and that's scheduled for February 5th, rescheduled because it had been postponed because of COVID. And it was announced today that it has been rescheduled for um, for um, uh, February 5th. So in England, so we'll see. We'll see if that comes up to fruition as far as uh, the virus is concerned. Now, Saturday, December 18th in Osaka, Japan, Lolito Marina scored a unanimous decision over Megumi Hosada in a six-rounder at 105 pounds. And there was four, I believe four, or uh, four other female bouts. Japan is uh, famous for these, putting on these lower-level all-female fights. But they do it, uh, you know, four or five times a year. So good for them from Tampa Florida on Showtime, same night, Saturday, December 18th, Amanda Serrano scored a unanimous decision over Miriam Gutierrez in a 10-rounder at 135 pounds, lopsided 190 and 99-90 two times. I think what was more, um, what went viral more, obviously not the fight in itself, because like David mentioned or Lupe mentioned, there was about 65,000 buys. That's what's being reported. But what went viral was the before and after pictures of the Spaniard Miriam Gutierrez where it showed the damage <laughs> that Amanda Serrano inflicted on uh, on the on Gutierrez, David. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, I mean, we're used to it because we follow boxing. It's not unusual. But uh, for many non-boxing followers, the, the ones that are, you know, the, the followers of Jake Paul who don't really see him see fights that much, uh, for them, that was horrendous, and, and uh, they <laughs> wanted to make a big issue out of it, and and it was like, well, welcome to boxing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they tried to well, make a big deal. Lupi, do you think, like David just mentioned, I mean, we're we're used to seeing that, and worse, I mean, worse. We've we're used to that, as far as people, you know, inside boxing or we follow boxing or whatever you might call it. But do you think that for like the casual fan? That could put them off from female boxing? I think it it could. It was the picture of Amanda. Um, they were hugging each other after the fight. That's what was so startling because Miriam looked like she was just a different person. But, I mean, it also happens when you're dealing with the YouTuber, YouTubers, people are watching more and just waiting, you know. So the minute that something like this happens, they jump on it. But that's the price you pay for, for dealing with the YouTubers, too. Now, Lupi, did you get did you buy this pay per view or you didn't? No, or did you I watch didn't. the fight? You didn't watch the I fight. I watched some of it. I must have watched the clips or the highlights or something. David, you watched it because you reported on it. What did you see in yeah. Amanda Serrano? Was she loading up, looking for the knockout at 135 pounds to kind of do the same thing that Katie Taylor was trying to do in her fight earlier? Because Miriam Gutierrez, that's a that's a uh, a mutual opponent for both of them, and I'm going to look it up right now. But I don't know if Katie Taylor knocked her out. Is she? Well, well, uh, she went the distance, um, but on both of them. 
But uh, yeah, they did. But when the fight was announced, the one concern I had is that you know I find you know after all these years of of uh, reporting on Amanda, I finally when I finally met her this past August in Los Angeles, I was like shocked at how petite she is. She's very mm-hmm. petite. She's not this muscle bound or or large. Uh, woman, she's very petite. She's kind of like a model, and um, <laughs> she looks just like a model. She's just walking around, very petite, and and for her to fight someone like Miriam Gutierrez, a true one thirty five pounder, that's what she weighed in the day before. What did she weigh the day of the fight? Which is probably about one fifty. Uh, that was that's a real strong woman she was fighting. So I I thought ahead of the fight. I thought that Amanda was going to box a little bit more, fill her out, and, and kind of, uh, you know, see what she could do. But she went full bore. I mean, she just went straight at her like a locomotive. And uh, she just said, well, I'm going to fire my my best, and you can fire your best, and we'll see what happens. Just like when she fought Daniela Bermudez, same thing. She just went right at her. And uh, I was, like, shocked. I, was, I couldn't believe what she was doing. She just... She just seems to be getting better and better. Right now, Amanda seems unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. I mean, I mean, that's the fight that everyone wants to see. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, Amanda Serrano and, and Katie Taylor coming up unscathed um, from their fight. Uh, Amanda Serrano, I'm sorry, Katie Taylor, December 11th. Amanda Serrano uh, a week later on December 18th. Um, same night, San Antonio, Texas, Golden Boy Promotions on the zone. Marlene Esparza scores the unanimous decision over Anabelo Ortiz in a 10-rounder at 112 pounds for the WBC flyweight title. Scores there were 188, 99-90, and 95. A very close 95-94, which was a little bit off. Ortiz was down in the second and fifth round. Going by the 95-94, if Ortiz doesn't get knocked down, she wins on that scorecard, and that wasn't what we saw inside the ring. And also, Tienes Estrada scores a fourth-round knockout. Pretty impressive. Well, impressive visually, not so much if you know the background of Maria Michel Santiso at 105 pounds. WBA time was 151. Santiso down in the third and fourth round, starting with Marlene Esparza. I mean, it was kind of expected, you know, for her to... Over, she was so much bigger than Anabel Ortiz, who just in her last fight lost her WBO 105-pound title, I'm sorry, WBA 105-pound title to Sinez Estrada. So she was actually jumping two weight classes to challenge for the WBC title against uh, Marlene Esparza. We talked about Marlene Esparza's um, physical f- physique, where she's not like muscle-bound, but she looks a little heavy for 112, I think. And I've spoken to her about it. You know, we I've interviewed her a couple of times, and I've asked her about it, and she is very frank stating that she doesn't want to be muscle-bound. Like, she doesn't want to be all muscly and look like a guy. She wants to look like a woman, and that's why um, she doesn't really try to put on muscle, and she stays, you know, for lack of a better word, feminine, although I believe that women that have the muscles that we've seen in Sinez Estrada and, you know, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, they still look feminine, but Marlene Esparza wants to be even more and not get a six we never seen Malena Esparza with a six pack or muscles on her arms and she's happy about that. I mean that's what she wants. 
So it, despite of that, she still looked much bigger than Anabel Ortiz, and it was expected for her to win. Now, with that said, Lupi, did you expect her to knock her out, or did you know that it was going to, or did you feel that it was going to go the distance? I didn't think she was going to knock her down. I, Marlene's been improving with every fight, and Annabelle Ortiz, who just puts up, it was a battle. Uh, you know, but she's getting older and a ton of fights. I, I didn't expect her to go down like that. It was it was a great fight. Very exciting. David, do you see, one thing that we talked about Marlene Esparza in the past was that, you know, she has been a little bit more stable with her corner but we talked about how she was she was with Virgil Ortiz at one time. She was with this other trainer. Now she's with this other trainer, which she has been with for a couple of uh, fights, maybe more. And we had talked about the fact that it looked like she, it was taking her a little bit longer to adjust to um, uh, the pro boxing style. Do you think that she's a little bit more... Uh, adept now at pro boxing than, than what she was in the beginning where she looked more amateur? Uh, she was going back and forth and but I could see in her last two fights that she has uh, concentrated on being more pro style. I see it. I see there's a there's a conscientious effort to become more pro style and I see that she's actually um, she loves it. She in fact, I spoke to her before the fight, uh, a couple of days before the fight, and uh, she was telling me that she just loves learning all these new things, that when she was an amateur, she didn't realize how much she didn't know about the post style, and that uh, just the learning factor gives her a lot of uh, uh, excitement. And uh, I can see that, and that's going to be good, because when she fights Sinisa Estrada again, uh, you know, she, she she wants to meet her on equal terms, and Sunita keeps approving too, even though post style is her style. Uh, it, it's I think uh, Marlon is improving a lot under this uh, new trainer. Now, without revealing too much or without getting in trouble, how close are we to seeing her unify against Naoko Fuyoka? I think that'll happen this year. Early positive. or summer? Hopefully. It's it's really up to Golden Boy uh, whenever they have their cards, you know. They have to lay out their budgets. They got to uh, – because they have a whole bunch of fighters that they're trying to, you know, take care of. And um, they have to budget everything and and uh, see where everything fits, who's going to attract the most crowds, and so forth. And it's not an easy thing, especially when they just renew the contract. Uh, and yeah. and they're trying to figure out what's going on. So I would say within the, the before June it should happen. Mm. Well, one thing one thing that we can expect, and also obviously we have COVID, Omicron, Fluorola, whatever they're calling it, Fluorona. So we don't know. And and one of the most strictest countries out there is Japan, where Naoko Fuyoka is from. So they might let her out, but they might not let her back in. So you know that's something that she must. <laughs> She might she must take into consideration. But one thing that we can expect, I believe tomorrow, I think uh, the zone is gonna announce. I, I would believe the first trimester of 2022, their their program fights for Matchroom and Golden Boy 
for 2022. They, some of them exactly. have trickled out. Glenn, uh, Virgil Ortiz is going to fight uh, some English guy. Jaime Munguia is going to fight Ballard. But they haven't mentioned a lot in the female boxing. So we'll see if that announcement tomorrow includes what's next for Manuel Esparza, if not for Sines Estrada. And speaking about Sines Estrada, we saw her knock out uh, Nicaragua's Maria Michelle Santiso. You know, it looked it looked spectacular, the knockout. But, you know, obviously from the first punches thrown, we could tell that Santiso wasn't at the same level, even though she was undefeated and everything. She wasn't at the le- at the same level as Estrada. And not that many fighters are at the same level as Estrada. I mean, Estrada's been fighting since she was eight years old. She's very comfortable inside the ring. But we couldn't say that. We couldn't say that Anabel Ortiz wasn't in the same level as Estrada looking at the skills. Obviously, you know, Siniesa is better at throwing punches. She might throw them straighter. She might throw them quicker. But you could see that Anabel Ortiz had experience, that she knew how to fight, that she knew what to do. You know, um, same thing we could say about perhaps Tsunami Tenke, very tough fight as well. Um, we can't say it about Miranda Atkins. Obviously, we could say it about Marlene Esparza. And in my opinion, and I, Lupe, do you agree? Could we say that about Santiso? I don't think so. I mean, she wasn't just at that level skill-wise. She wasn't at all. The knockout was just beautiful. But when they interviewed her before the fight, Santisa said that Sinise has never felt anything like her before. You know, and with what, what was she not, no. you know? I mean, it was hard. We can just take it as, all right, let's see what happens. But no. And you're right. David? It was a beautiful knockout. Yeah, I mean, they had been, uh, Santisa's corner had been, that she was very, very good and that uh, don't be surprised about a, you know, a win over Estrada. I mean, I, I guess they didn't see Sinisa fight before. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's... Sinisa is a whole different level. I mean, there's a, all those girls that are on the pound-for-pound pound list of most publications. Those girls are special. They're not, you know, your run-of-the-mill champions that you can buy. Uh, these are the real deal. And all of those women, Sinisa, Amanda, Katie Taylor, they're special fighters. They're they're not they're not your usual champions. Yeah. No, I mean that they're above and beyond. I mean that's the cream of the crop, you know. But one thing that you know, like if you put in like Areli Muncino in there with her, or you put in Kika Chavez in there, you're gonna see that these women know how to box. They know how to throw their punches. They don't look awkward throwing their punches. And one thing about Santiso, she looked awkward. Like, she didn't know. She didn't seem like she knew um, how to throw punches, you know, at that level. You know, I mean, I would have, I mean, if I was a matchmaker, I would have put her against another, you know, somebody that had less than 15 fights, you know, and, and that's not something that that we can say about Sinis Estrada. Despite the fact that Santiso, I spoke to her before the fight. She had been fighting uh, she's been kickboxing or doing some kind of combat sport for a long time, but she only had been boxing as a professional for about three years. And before that, it wasn't that long, much longer either. Um, and then coming from Nicaragua, where they were very, um, 
at, very frank in stating that there isn't a lot of boxing, that basically there isn't that many gyms and there isn't a lot of sparring. And her whole career, she had done it in Mexico, you know, but she had never really fought anybody of note in Mexico or, or back home when she did one fight. So, I mean, you can't knock on Cinesa Estrada. I mean, she knocked out a 9-0 and fighter, uh, possibly ranked in the top 15. Um, but when you put the pen to paper and you see actually what goes down inside the ring, we could see that Santiso wasn't at her level. And I was actually actually uh, surprised that she went the four rounds, even though she went down in the third and the fourth round. It was just a matter of time to me where, while, where I was watching for Estrada to knock her out. And if it w- if she would have knocked her out, they would have probably stopped it because Santiso was receiving a lot, a lot of punishment. So we'll see what next for for Siniesa. I mean, obviously she's very adamant about wanting to unify the division. You know, WBC champion is Tina Rupkret, 11-0 with one draw, 30 knockouts. She never comes out of Germany, so good luck with that. IBF champion is Jocasta Valle, who has publicly stated that she's willing to fight Siniesa Estrada anywhere. And then the newly crowned WBO champion, I'm sure that you could get her over here if you could get her a visa, is Nguyen Ting Tu Ni from Vietnam, who yeah. pulled up an upset in Korea. So I'm sure that if you make that. I saw that, that fight. She lost. That was such yeah, a but, bad decision. Oh. But, you know, Where she's a 5-0-1 five, five <laughs> knockout WBO. You find it on YouTube? Uh, no, I, I got a link from Japan. And uh, I saw the fight, and Tana won every round. Maybe I might have given, well, the uh, Vietnamese girl one round, perhaps two, maybe. I mean, that's really stretching it. I mean, Tana was just on her all day. I didn't understand. Maybe uh, they got the scores mixed up. I don't know, because I didn't see that. I just saw Tana winning that going away. Well, let's see what happens. I mean, does she stay in Vietnam? Or does she come out in the United States and make a big payday and give up her 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 belt? Whoever gets her first, either Rupre in Germany or Valle in Costa Rica, you know, whoever is willing to willing to pay that airplane ticket and get her that visa, <laughs> it's gonna be the WBO champion. So uh, we'll see who gets her first, or it's gonna be uh, Golden Boy with Sinesa Estrada, David. One thing I can say is that she is strong. She could take a punch because if you remember. Itsuko Tada had the knockout of the year last year, mm-hmm. and uh, she she had a one-punch knockout and just knocked yeah. uh, uh, the other girl out. So Tada can hit, and uh, the Vietnamese girl could take a punch. That's one thing she could, could take a punch. Well, sometimes that makes world champions, and it made in this case. So we'll see what is next. So that is our fight review for the fights in the last month. Uh, let's move on to fight chatter. And, you know, some major signings have been announced in the last couple of weeks. One of them, which was expected, Alicia Baumgartner signs to Matchroom Boxing after her, you know, knockout out of the year against Terry Harper. You know, Eddie Hearn, you, he might be a lot of things, but he's not a dumb man. And he signed Alicia Baumgartner because for the last year and a half, maybe two years, Eddie Hearn has been building towards a a unofficial uh, super featherweight tournament, and part of that was Terry Harper, 
Michaela Mayer, the WBO World Champion, WBA Champion. Well, now she's a WBO IBF because she beat Myra Hamadouche. And then the WBA Champion, uh, Hyunmin Choi. So now, Terry Harper getting beaten by Alicia Baumgartner. Barbara Garner takes her place. And now the back and forth, which was reserved between Michaela Mayer and Terry Harper, has now transferred over to Alicia Baumgartner in social media, and they're going back and forth. I mean, there's really no downside to the signing, <laughs> Loopy. Um, what do you think about Baumgartner uh, joining Natural Boxing? Although I think it is a co-promotion because I think she is signed to a local uh, United States promoter by the name of King's Promotion. Yeah. Yeah, but it is a co-promotion with Matchroom Boxing. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great sign, and I was excited when I saw it. So, I mean, she's so well-deserved, and like you said, Eddie, he's no dummy. She'd probably get a nice deal, too. I mean, she's got, she's got it all with that knockout, and she's beautiful, and she knows how to, you know, speak, and she's a shit disturber on social media. It's a great sign. David? Yeah, that was a smart signing by Eddie Hearn. Um, I can see uh, Bob Carter fighting Choi uh, and then going after uh, Michaela and vice versa. I mean, that's, uh, sheesh, that's another great fight to look forward to. Maybe uh, this year or next year, uh, we'll see what happens. But, uh, I mean, that's going to be a mega fight. And she and kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, she was, she was always there, but no one really... <laughs> No one tripped on her, and then this was—it was great. Threw a wrench. And the only thing too, obviously, I mean, if she faces—I mean, obviously, I, I still believe. Although I, I love the fight from what we saw against Terry Harper, but what I still believe is that Michaela Mayer is a is a maybe a little bit above everybody else at 130 pounds. So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. when the dust settles, in my opinion, Michaela Mayer is going to be left holding all the four belts. So at that point, just like Terry Harper announced that her next fight is going to be a lightweight, I would I would imagine that Baumgartner will go up to 135 as well. And then we could probably see it all over again at 135 <laughs> as they change <laughs> Katie Taylor, right? Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. But, Great. So there's a future from Baumgartner uh, this beyond the 130-pound weight class with matchroom boxing. So I do believe it's a great sign. Also signed this couple of weeks ago, or actually this week, was uh, Dina Torslin, who is the 118-pound, uh, what, what, what is she? Bantamweight. Bantamweight. WBO. WBO. WBO champion, 16-0, six knockouts, champion since June 25th to 2021. She just came off beating long-reigning super flyweight champion and now fighting at Bantamweight, Sulina La Lova Munoz stopped her before the 10 rounds, and she signed to Probellum. If you guys haven't heard of Probellum, it's a new United States-based company ran by none other than Richard Schaefer. Richard Schaefer, uh, Golden Boy, used to run Golden Boy before he was escorted out the building for some, mm, you know, questionable practices over there. Nothing illegal, but, you know... Just research Google and you'll get the whole story. But now he's running Probellum. There's a lot of money being invested. She's, they're based out of the United States, but they're really making a run at a worldwide market. They signed a ton of fighters. But I think that Dina Torslin is the only female fighter as of yet. Right, hmm. uh, David? Uh, you know what? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I think there's one other. 
yeah, Let I me think look it up. one other. Uh, I know that Richard Schaefer has always been a, a proponent of women's boxing. Uh, when he was a golden boy, he was the one, the only one that would push back then. And, mm. uh, but now golden boy is very strong supporter of women's boxing too. But uh, Richard Schaefer always had that history. He put out a lot of female fights. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a, I mean, she hasn't she hasn't even made it to their website yet. So I think she's the only one. Because they have pretty much everybody else that they've signed. She's uh, very good. Very good. 16-0, undefeated, no bantamweight champion. Um, the other champions at that weight class are Maria Cecilia Roman from Argentina, 16-5 with one draw, one no contest, zero knockout. So that's going to be interesting. And then the WBC champion, Julian Luna of Mexico. She beat uh, Barbie Juarez. Score, uh, record is 20 wins three losses, one draw with three knockouts. And Jessica Gonzalez is the interim champion with eight wins, five losses, two draws, one knockout. And then Jamie Mitchell, who just captured that title, beating um, Courtney uh, in England. She's 7-0 and with two draws, four knockouts. So it's interesting. I would love to see uh, Jamie Mitchell, Julian Luna, Dina Torsland, Roman, Jessica Gonzalez, really not a player at the division. So uh, if anybody can make those fights happen, especially pro bellum that do they do have um, partners in a lot of different countries, including Mexico. So if they want to go after Julian Luna or even the interim champion Jessica Gonzalez, they can do so in Mexico. Uh, they have partners in Australia, Canada, Colombia, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, and El Salvador. Finland, Germany, Ghana, Indonesia, Latvia, Mexico, New Zealand, Nicaragua, Puerto Rico, Russia, Scotland, Spain, United Kingdom, Venezuela, and Uganda. So they're they're taking the business of boxing in a little bit different direction where they're really looking to expand globally with these different partners in different countries. So... um, you know they have somebody in the in Mexico, so they could try to make that obviously in the UK, but and in the United States, obviously with themselves. So we'll see what they can do with Dina Torsland. And very interesting signing, David. Did she have a promoter um, in her native Denmark or not? Yeah, I think she's with Sarland. Mm. So she's called because they don't have a partner in uh, Denmark. So I wonder if her contract is over and she signed with them, or is the co-promotion? I, don't I know think it's a co-promotion. It's a co-promotion. Very interesting. So we'll see what happens there, and let's see what kind of what fight. I mean, I would love to see her in Mexico. I mean, obviously there's a lot of bantamweights there, and you know I don't think that they're gonna start off with a unification fight against one of the other champions, Jamie Mitchell. Is Jamie Mitchell with Denzel, with Matchroom, being that she beat Shannon Courtney or not? Yeah, she is with. Um, well, uh, we'll go. Wait, we'll, no, we'll she's with a split, split T, isn't she? Yeah. Oh, but that's her. Yeah. That's, well, we'll get there. Now, the other uh, signing that happened a couple of week, days ago, it was announced, I think even yesterday, was Franchon Cruz Desern, who was with Golden Boy Promotions and now has signed on to Matchroom Boxing, along with Ellen Sidirus of Sweden, both of them um, 168 pound champions. And now they're signed to the zone, and the zone basically is guaranteeing that they're going to fight in the first trimester in a unification fight. Sweden, Ellen Sederus, WBA world champion, 8-0, and 
Franchon Cruz Desern, six and one with one with one no contest, two knockouts, and then Ellen Sedders is the IBF champion as well. So it's gonna be three uh, titles on the line, and then it, well, actually all the titles because all the titles. Franchon Cruz Desern is a WBO and a WBC. Sedders mm-hmm. is a WBA and IBF. Now opposed to Alicia Baumgartner's future, if she were to lose her W. BC title in a unification bout. Where does the loser of this fight goes? I mean, and where does the winner go? I mean, who's there to fight at super middleweight? At one point, when Clarissa Shields was in the weight division, I mean, there were some fights to be made there. I mean, Franchon Cruz Desern, you know, um, uh, at one point, maybe even Maricela Cornejo at 160 or a little bit above. You could even throw Raquel Miller in there. But when Hammer. Shields, Christina Hammer at 160, but when Shields decided to drop down, even Savannah Marshall, when she when she mm-hmm. made her pro debut, was fighting at 168. And when so when Shields decided to move down 160, there's really nobody left at super middleweight, David. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, no, I think um, it's, it's not loaded, but there, there is talent. I mean, you still have Hannah Gabriel, that who was, you know, who was thinking about going to light heavyweight, but she can easily she get is. 168. Yeah, she is around so, uh, light heavyweight. Yeah, so she can easily make 168. I mean, she was well, fighting at 154. <laughs> actually, it makes it. Actually, I, I went on to uh, box rec and I look at the ratings for 168, and there is some interesting fighters there. Christina Hammer, who Lupe just mentioned, is campaigning mm-hmm. at 168. So that's a great fight for the winner, you know. Then we yeah. have Shadasha Green, who is 8-0 from Peterson, Patterson, USA. What do you know about her, Lupe? I'm sure that she came up the amateur ranks. Yeah, I, I, but I don't know much. I mean, um, I really don't right now. Wow. And then we have. Uh, I, I'd have to, uh, I just have to take a look and, and just look really quick to refresh my memory. On Shadeen. And then I know that uh, she sparred with Clarissa Shields. They said she did pretty well with her. Who did that's, that? That's uh, the Shadesha? rumor. Yeah. Shadesha? Yes. Yeah, Shadesha Green. Green. How about this young woman here, uh, Lupe? Ideal, Ideal Cardenas from Calexico, California, four and zero one knockout. Yeah, Ideal Cardenas. Yeah, she comes out of Calexico. She's highly decorated amateur. I mean, she's been a member of Team USA for a few years. She's beautiful brawler champ too. She also brought her girls, and those two girls won beautiful brawlers. So she's, you know, a young pro, decorated amateur, a coach as well. I, I she has a nice pro style. David, do you know who we're talking about? Uh, like no, I don't. I, I I've seen her. I've seen I never heard about of her on social media, but I haven't seen her fight. I never heard okay. of her. Okay, I'll send you something. Yeah, send us because I never heard of her. She's five nine. Oh my god, she's pretty tall. Mm-hmm. Um, Big girl. Ruthless, ideal, ruthless. Cardenas, twenty two years old. She made her pro debut in March of two thousand twenty, and then she fought again in September, and then again in July of 21, and then September of 21. She's fought all her fights in Mexico, which is fairly common for a fighter from uh, a border town, which is Calexico. Um, 
So, you know, that's somebody to keep an eye on because she might be a player at a, at a 168 pounds. How much has she been weighing? 176. Whoa. 167, 155, 153. So when she pro debuted, she was at 154. So she might go down. I don't know what she was competing at as amateur, uh, Lupi. Do you remember? Probably, God, back then, maybe like, she's she's big girl, 140, 132. I mean, she's bigger girl. Now, before we move on to the next uh, subject here on the fight chatter, I wanted, now that we announced that Franchon Cruz Desern and Eileen Cedarus has signed on to Matchroom, I wanted to give you, I believe that Matchroom Boxing has taken the role of, unfortunately, and not unfortunately, but the the role of Lou DiBella. Lou DiBella for a long time, and actually he has won a Promoter of the Year award here. Actually, you didn't name a Promoter of the Year, David, for your uh, award. So we'll go into that uh, when we go into our next uh, into our next segment. But uh, Lou DiBella cool. has won a Promoter of the Year award here from the Price Fighters. I mean, from the Two Minute Round and the PriceFighters dot com um, because of his support of female boxing, but. You know, he's gotten into some issues, hot water with Showtime and blah, blah, blah. He doesn't have a TV date right now. He was trying to do some stuff on Fight TV and things like that, but he hasn't been consistent. And the one that has been consistent is no other than Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing. So I just wanted to give you a rundown of the female boxers that he has in the stable. We have Katie Taylor, obviously, Jessica McCaskill, who was tiptoeing putting her toe into the matchroom boxing pool and she finally took the plunge after her last fight against Candy Wyatt and signed a multi-fight uh, promotional uh, promotional contract with matchroom boxing. So, so she is an official uh, matchroom boxing fighter. We have Chantel Cameron, who is a super lightweight champion. Alicia Baumgartner, who she just signed. Hyun Min Choi. I mean, let's... That's one, two, three, four... Five, uh, number six is Jamie Mitchell, and let me see because okay, so those are like the featured ones. So let's go. Let's start again because so we have Alicia. Oh, so now okay, so here they are. Um, alphabetized because I know they have more than that. They have Alicia Baumgartner. That's one. Uh, two is Chantel Cameron. Three is Ebony Bridges. Four is Ellie Ellie Scottney. Five is Hugh Ming Choi. Six is Jamie Mitchell. Seven is Jessica McCaskill. Jessica McCaskill. What was that? Six or seven? Was that six or seven? Anyways, Katie Taylor, um, Maiva Hamadouche, Ramla Ali, Sandy Ryan, Shannon Courtney, Sky Nicholson. Terry Harper. So they got about over 10 female boxers. That might be, uh, I mean, who has more, David? I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, I mean, Lou DiBella at one point might have more, but not anymore. At one right? time, it was the Mexican promoters. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. So, And there might be a Mexican promoter out there, like Promociones del Pueblo, who might have more, but they don't have they don't have the same type of of platform that that Matchroom has now. I mean, at one point they did. I mean, they were broadcasting all over Mexico on terrestrial TV, which is more eyeballs than the zone uh, because it is a, a OTT and over the top application, which you have to buy a subscription to. Um, 
but they don't have that same platform anymore. It doesn't have the same TV audience as we did anymore. So, so, um, so yeah, you're right. The Mexican promoters might have promociones de pueblo, not Sanfer, but uh, but they don't have that platform anymore, and I don't think they have all the female fighters anymore like they did in the past. So that is pretty impressive and pretty good news because because all the fights that that they put on as far as on matchroom boxing, even though they're from England, they might be in the afternoon or the early or the late morning from England, like Ellie Scottney and like these other like smaller, uh, you know, not smaller, but younger women that are being developed. You're still able to see them in the United States. So that is a good, that's a good platform so that we can see these up and coming fighters and, 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 you know, Either we like them, we don't like them, whatever the case may be. Yeah, if I was a, a promoter um, with a major platform like a uh, DAZN or TV, Showtime or something, I'd be grabbing all the female fighters, all of them. I mean, that's that's the future, in my opinion. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a sh- sure thing. Now. Let's move on to our next segment, and that is our 20 and 21 two-minute round awards. We're going to start off with the Never Boring Award, which is which goes to Melissa Hernandez. David, why don't you go ahead and give us <laughs> your thoughts of why you named Melissa Hernandez as the winner of the Never Boring Award? I mean, if you know Melissa Hernandez, she is entertaining – Anytime you see her, anytime you talk to her, she always has something uh, funny or entertaining to say or do. She, it's just a natural part of her personality. She's just a, a, a great person to be around, and she loves to fight. I mean, this woman mm-hmm. loves to fight. This, it's just ingrained in her. I mean, she'll spar anybody, man or woman. It's just what she likes to do. And uh, she's very happy when she's in the ring. And she shows it. And not many fighters are like that. There's not that many fighters that you know that you're going to be entertaining. That's what boxing really is. You know, pro boxing is all about entertainment. And she is uh, all about entertainment outside of the ring and inside of the ring. And now, one thing that can be said is that. Hernandez was close to retirement, if not actually retired, and she um, came back in that fight against um, uh, what was her name? Barrios and beat her, which we, we called it on this show. We said there's no way, there, there, there wasn't a reason why to put this young lady against uh, Melissa Hernandez, even though she hadn't fought. It was a big jump too soon, and Melissa basically outboxed her and outbeat her. Um, and then from then, Melissa made a little bit of rent. Selena Barrios and made a renaissance. She came back in May of 2029. I mean, I'm sorry, May 29th of 2021 to um, challenge Chantel Cameron for the WBC Super Lightweight title. She came up a little bit short, going down in the fourth and then being stopped in the fifth. But you can't deny with the record of 23 wins, eight losses, and three draws seven knockouts and starting her career in 2005 you can't deny that the 41 year old Melissa Hernandez has been one of the toughest and most entertaining fighters that we have seen in female boxing in the last 20 years so 
good for her. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to see her in the ring again, but if she wants to continue, you know, she could make a little, she could make a name for herself, but, you know, it's kind of tough when you're 41 and, you know, you're almost retired, but uh, good for her and, and we wish her all the best. Now, in the second category, the most underrated, uh, David Avila named Mesulem Urbina, David. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, you know, they, they just see the wins and losses. And uh, you you got to look at who they fought, how they fought against them. Uh, if you lose and you lose by points, you lose, you lose by points. If you get knocked out, okay, well, that's a different story. But Sulem's always in the fight, always in the fight. No matter who, she fought a five-division champion in Naoko Fujioka in L.A. She did very well. I mean, she was ahead for the first four rounds, and then, you know, Naoko's experience and, and strength uh, uh, came to came to play. And uh, But it was a great fight, very, very close, majority decision. And uh, But I think... Uh, I foresee Sulem winning a title. She just she just happens to be in a period when the champions are really really good, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's gonna be hard, but I, I can foresee her winning a world title. At a flyweight? I don't know. That's a good question. I kind of foresee her winning a title at super flyweight. Mm. I think she'll do better there. I don't know. Yeah. That's just my own personal opinion. Before I give my my thoughts, Lupi, do you have anything to say about this uh, this award, most underrated for Sulem Morvina? No, I, he, you said it all. You really did say it all. Um, I also had Melissa Hernandez under there just because of that way too early stoppage, and and then she'll be resulting from that. She'll be mm-hmm. under. But you said it all, Sulem. You know. Hmm. You know, Sulem Urbina has a, a very great pedigree. You know, she was in the Mexican the national team. She's been an amateur, a decorated amateur, very good. You know, she comes up a little bit short against Malena Esparza and things like that. You know, as a as as a professional, she was with Sanford. Now she's with Golden Boy. Very, very great at marketing herself. I spoke to her Um maybe a month ago in Las Vegas, I ran into her in Las Vegas and I asked her if she had given any thought to moving up to super flyweight, which I think that probably would be a better run for her. Um, as far as looking for a title, I think her skill set matches up better with the champions there, maybe against even a WBA world champion in Maribel Ramirez. But she mentioned that she, she didn't give me a yes or no answer. She was, she will move up to 115. What I do like something about what I do like about about Sulem Urbina is her tenacity and the belief in herself. I mean, she puts her mind to something, and and she goes after it. and And she just stated not too long ago on her Twitter account that she is going to be a world champion at 2022. Do I think it's at flyweight? That's going to be a little bit tough. Do I think it could happen in super flyweight? I think she has a better chance at super flyweight. So hopefully um, she thinks about that and we see her, um, you know, make a run at 
at, at Super Flyweight. She's she's had two opportunities at Flyweight to win a world title against Marlene Esparza. Was it a world title against Marlene Esparza? No, it wasn't, no. right? No. But, no. you know, but she was beaten by Marlene, by Marlene Esparza. They have history in the amateurs, and Marlene Esparza does have her number in the amateurs. She beat her as a professional, and Naoko Fuyoka beat her as well. So, you know, is she willing to go down to Argentina to face either Leonela Paola Judica for the IBF or Deborah Anai Lopez at WBO? Both undefeated. Both long... Well, Judica is long reigning since 2014. Deborah Anai Lopez since 2019. It's very, very tough to win in Argentina, you know, on the scorecards. So, and she doesn't have pop. I think that the best thing for Rubina is to go up to 115 and make a run there. I can see her going after a Maribel Ramirez. Hey, you know, I might think, I might, I give her a 50-50 chance against Lourdes Juarez, to be quite honest with you. You know, Mijo Yoshida, mm-hmm. I give her a 50-50 chance as well. I don't give her a 50-50 chance against the champions at 112. That's a good point. So, most inspirational, Callie Reed, David. Yeah, without a doubt, uh, Kelly was, um, I mean, she was not only a fighter, she works in the community, she works in the entertainment industry with, was it a documentary? I haven't seen the film. It's it's an independent film. And, um, I mean, she she always seems to have a positive spin on everything. And uh, even when she fought and people criticized her against Deanna Prozac, are you there? Yeah, we're listening. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, even when she fought and had a close fight with Prozac and then another one with Jessica uh, Kamara, um, you know, she always puts a positive spin. And mm. I, I like that because, uh, you know, she understands the game. She's very, very smart when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, fighting. Uh, it, it's funny because I I haven't – I only saw her fight once in person, and that was against Cecilia uh, break us when she almost beat her mm. and um she's very she does little subtle things that you can't really see unless you watch her in person and even watching on tv you can't really see it but uh, when they slow it down then you see it and you go oh wow i didn't see her do that and uh, very technical very very technical fighter which is uh something that not everybody knows about but she has it she has that kind of stuff so she's a very inspiring fighter. I thought she kind of stood out. Now, one one, one fighter that I kind of want to propose as well mm-hmm. for um, most inspirational is Alma Ibarra. You know the W the the, the welterweight uh, number one contender. I don't remember yeah. was it a WBA or somebody when she beat Candy Wyatt mm-hmm. not too long ago in San Diego. When when, when mm-hmm. You know, she's not really not, not not she's really not known in Mexico. And she was on the on the Mexican national team, and she's really really not known in the United States. And I did started to learn more about her in um in um doing that promotion. And the fact that I don't know if you guys remember this, but she was actually kidnapped before an amateur tournament so that she wouldn't compete. She was actually physically kidnapped and kept in a hotel room until the fight that she was supposed to fight went by. 
so that she wouldn't compete. And also, um, I believe her son has some kind of uh, some kind of a, a handicap. So that, to me, as well, not taking anything away from calories, but to me, for a mm-hmm. fighter, you know, to come out and, and keep fighting after being kidnapped and, and actually physically, you know, hurt during that kidnapping, you know, slapped around a little bit and stuff. And her son, I think that's very inspirational as well. And she actually makes it a fact to state that every time that she fights, she does it for her son. So I think she she deserves an honorable mention there. So comeback of the year, Miss Japanese uh, uh, fighter, legendary, considered the best Japanese fighter of all time, female, Naoko Fuyoka, David. Uh, yes, uh, people kind of forgot about her. Um, when the fighters hit their 40s, fighters like Naoko Fujioka, who have been doing it for so long, Leila McCarters and so forth, they, you know, people forget. All they see is the young ones that are on TV, so they kind of dismiss the older ones. But when you haven't been, when you haven't lost in many, many, many years, and you've beaten legends, uh, and you're still beating youngsters, I mean, you're you're basically uh, what do you call it? Um, what's the word? You're you're kind of like a mace. You you can't be dismissed until you lose. You still have it. But a lot of people are very quick to dismiss because they always see the new star, the the one on TV. But but Naoko kind of proved she's still around. She's still relevant. She fought somebody much younger. Um, she she made her dream come true by fighting in the U.S. and uh, she'll be back. She's going to be a handful for Marlon Esparza. You want to add anything, Lupi? Yeah, Nyoko, when I look at comeback of the year, it was really like an eye-opener of the year because a lot of the girls, like you said, they don't know Nyoko, not of the little ones, like the younger girls. They just didn't. And what I saw on social media was, go Marlon or Sulem. Sulem works with some of the girls. And the reaction when it didn't go that way, they were surprised, shocked. But they get to learn some history on Nyoko. Now, potential breakout. David mentioned uh, a slew of fighters, Fatima Dudieva, Avril Mathi, Rosalinda Rodriguez, Kim Clavel, Melissa Odessa Parker, Raquel Miller, Genevieve Guillen, Guillen, and Ellie Scottney. And if I had to choose between all the ones that David mentioned on this list, I would go with Kim Clavel. Kim Clavel is about to fight for the WBC light flyweight title. We've seen her fight on ESPN during the bubble in Vegas. Top rank brought her down. Really no answer of why. We don't know if there was a potential idea of signing her and then it didn't materialize or it was just, I don't know what, but she fought on there on, on prime time uh, during the bubble when there was obviously, when there was literally almost no boxing. So I, all eyes were on that bubble and she got a prime fight on that, on that, uh, on that time slot. And, and you know, she, she didn't get signed by top rank. Top rank still continues just with Michaela Mayer. Um, but if I had to choose between all of them, uh, I would go with Kim Clavel as the one that's really uh, on the cusp of being a, a major star, David. Do you agree with that, or do you see somebody else in that list that has more potential? Uh, no, I think um, 
maybe her and Melissa Odessa Parker are sure things. Mm-hmm. I think uh, they get they could do it this year, where they could just, you know, they'll be world champions. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Kim Clavel has the she has the stuff. Loopy. I think you're both right on that breakout star um, on, for both of those. And Melissa Odessa was one of mine. You know, when I was thinking about breakout star, I was like, okay, Jamie Mitchell. Um, you know, I didn't even think Kim, Kim Clavel, and I love that one. And I was thinking Emily Bridges. But for breakout star, I mean, I, I would go with Melissa Odessa. I would go with both of them. I'd probably well, make my is- Ebony Bridges most marketable. This is potential breakout, and we're going to get to breakout mm-hmm. a little bit uh, in a couple more uh, awards. And the most avoided, I mean, she could be probably named the most avoided for the last 10 years, is Layla MacArthur, David. Yeah, without a doubt, Layla MacArthur. Um, if, you know, the one thing is that because she doesn't fight that often, and she's 42 years old, we don't know how much she has left. I saw her fight in Dubai well, I saw a stream of her fight in Dubai. She fought a light heavyweight, a big woman. Uh, she was supposed to fight uh, Habazine, and Habazine pulled out. So just to get her a fight, because she was one of the main stars on that card, they brought. They said, well, you fight a middleweight. She said, yes, I will. Well, the girl came in at 175, and uh, Layla <laughs> said, yes, okay, I guess so. She didn't want to, but she did, uh, and she stopped her. I mean, she just put on an exhibition, like, uh, I mean, a boxing exhibition, just a clinic, and uh, mm-hmm. she just showed. She still has her skills, and it's only, hopefully, when she finally gets her big fight against one of the champions, she'll still have those skills because, uh, you know, you never know. One day it's it's gone, just like what happened to uh, the great Mariana Juarez, you know, one day it was gone. It wasn't there anymore. And it happened to Jelena Marjanovic. It happens to everybody. Everybody, time always gets you. Yeah, I mean, and and, and what is next for her, you know? I mean, I mean, who, I mean, she's already like over 40 years old. She's not getting any opportunities. She doesn't get mentioned. She doesn't get called out. Nobody mentions her at all. I mean, what could be next, David? Well, she she gets offers, but I, I really don't know if they're big offers or low offers. She does get calls from – she did get a call, I was told, from uh, from uh, Jessica McCaskill, that uh, they chose uh, Candy Wyatt. Um, you know, Layla is very dangerous. She can beat – in my opinion, if she's the Layla of last year, she beats everybody in the top ten except for Clarissa Shields. I mean, wow. that's, how that's a pretty bold She's statement. very good. Yeah, all of them. Katie Taylor, Chantel Cameron, all of them. She beats them all. Now, Lupi. Go ahead, David. Now, Lupi. I mean, she could think... lose it. We don't know. Yeah. But here's the question, Lupi. You know, obviously, we've spoken to her on the show before, and she wants to price herself. She wants to make some money. She's been in the game for so long that she deserves to make six figures somewhere down the line, you know, but she's saying no to these fights. Would it be smart to take any of these fights for 
some kind of reasonable money. And if she wins, then she becomes a player. But if you're not fighting, you're not a player. So what do you do? Do you take the fight or do you just sit and get older and get to the point where you can't fight anymore? You take the fight. You got to take the fight with these younger girls because they're not looking her way. They don't see anything else. It's boring to them. That's why she needs to take one of those fights and and open their eyes. That, you know, they those young girls want the fights. But, I mean, maybe with the Cecilia, if she would have taken that one, that would have opened eyes. Maybe oh, yeah. the next check. But, I mean, how much can they lowball her, David? I mean, let's say they offer her Chantel Cameron. I mean, they're going to offer her 5000 They got to offer her, you know, five fig, 10, 15, 20, 25, something. And maybe she's looking for 75 or 100 You know, do you take that fight and beat her? And then you're the, you're the WBC world champion. And now you call the shots because if they want to unify, they kind of come through you. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree with you. I think uh, you got to take the fight. Um, sometimes you got to go backwards to go forwards. And, uh, I mean, sometimes you even got to fight for nothing. Uh, I've seen that happen. But, you know, you got to gamble on yourself. Yeah, you got to gamble on yourself. And, and, you know, and I see where she's coming from. I mean, she's been in the game for so long. And, and you know, and, and she deserves a payday. But, you know. Life is not fair sometimes, and boxing is even less fair. So we'll see what happens. Upset of the year, Erica Cruz over Jelena Miranovic. Do you see that as the upset of the year, Lupi? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, we kind of knew where it was going to go. Like, let's see what Jelena has left. But I think, I mean, Jelena was never really fought out here. Never really fought, you know, she fights who she wants and, and, Erica took it to her, and I think we knew what was going to happen. You know what, David? Amanda. Yeah, I agree with it, but I also see, I also see um, that Alicia Baumgartner over Terry Harper as an upset as well. I mean, it was, I think it was pretty big. I mean, nobody because what we've seen of Alicia is, is you know, she lost to Linadar too, right? And then supposedly she has said no to Mayer. She has said no to other fights. And then she says yes to this one. And nobody expected for Eddie Hearn to to risk Harper against somebody that could beat her because of the potential money and mega fight that could be done with Mayer unifying the, the, the titles. And here comes Alicia Baumgartner and completely doesn't just, you know, Upset the apple cart. She basically just destroyed that apple cart <laughs> yeah. with a beat with a bomb, you know. So I think that was a pretty big upset as well as uh, Erica Cruz over uh, Jelena Morano. <laughs> well, well, I mean, honestly, I didn't see it as an upset. I expected Alicia to beat her. Hmm. I really did. I truly well, I don't expected think many her people did. to beat I her. Mean, I mean, a lot of people say like, "Oh, she's gonna beat her because you know they're a big, they're a Baumgartner fan, or they want to go for the U.S. fighter." But you know, I didn't think, I didn't think that she had it in her. I don't think, I didn't think that Baumgartner, and I still, I'm still not 100% convinced, David and Lupi, that Baumgartner is a world class level fighter. I mean, she beat a world champion, but is she a world class level fighter? Terry Harper she, or Alicia? No, Baumgartner. 
Um, in my opinion, Terry Harper was overhyped. I didn't yep. see it. I just didn't see it in her. Every time I saw her fight, I was like, why do they think she's so terrific? I mean, she's a tough girl, and she tries hard, And uh, but she was always, I always would look at her and say, this girl, this girl, and this girl could beat her if they only gave her a chance to fight her. But David, they, let's let's look at let's look. I mean, I, I I can't agree with you. I mean, yeah, maybe she was a little awkward or something like that. But she beat, you know, she beat who did she beat for the title? She beat um, international IBO. So like, she beat Eva Wanstrom for the titles, right? Twenty three and one. Who should have lost two or three times? What's that? Who should have lost two or three times by decision? Okay, but 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 finally, uh, Terry Harper did the deed and she beat her. Right then, she scored a draw against Natasha Jonas. Um, then she beat an undefeated Katharina Tanders, stopping her in nine rounds. And then she loses to Alicia Baumgartner. So she wins the title and she is she she she, she defends it, which to me solid solidifies your world title. You know, before that she beat Viviana Obinov, who was fourteen and five. She beat Claudia Andrea Lopez, who was twenty five and nine. She beat Anina Bradley, who's seven and zero. You know. A bunch of maybe unknowns, but um, look at who look at who Senesa Estrada just fight an unknown at nine zero, and we're applauding her knockout. Okay, so I just but then let me let me just finish my my thought, David. Then you could give me your rebuttal. Now let's go back to Alicia Baumgartner. Who has she fought? She beat a two and one Britain Hart. She beat a zero and one Wendy Tony. She beat a zero and one Lashonda Tabron. <laughs> She beat a, a debut in Brittany Artis, Nidia Feliciano, who was nine and nine. She beat a Christy Simmons, who was eight and three, the first fighter with a winning record besides the two and one in her pro debut. She loses to Christina Lenardo. She loses to Gabriela Menzi, who's nine and seventeen. So the only fighters that she has beaten with winning records is her pro debut with two and one, Vanessa Bradford, who was five and two, and Terry Harper. So nothing in and and um and Annette Pavello, who's from Tijuana, who's really a natural like 120 pounder, and she's fighting at 133 because she's just a big girl. So nothing in her record shows me besides that Terry Harper knockout that Alicia Baumgartner is a world class fighter, whereas whereas Terry Harper does. Mm, it's it's funny because I don't go by records. I don't go by who they beat and this and that. I basically look at them, look at what they do, their punches, their speed, their 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 angles, their experience. I, I could see it. I could see when a person fights if they know what they're doing. Just like what you were mentioning about Santizo, that the punches didn't seem right, things like that. I don't look at the records. I just look at them, how they look when they're facing somebody else, what they do. And just based on that, I just didn't see Terry Harper beating Baumgartner. I've seen Baumgartner fight. I saw her fight against Christina Dinardo too. That was a close fight. Dinardo too won. Uh, but, I mean, she was still basically young. And when you come from the amateur world to the pro world, it's a big difference. For one thing, you're going uh, eight, nine, ten rounds. And, uh, well, I think that fight was only eight rounds. But... Um, it's a big difference from four rounds. And, uh, but you learn. But I could always see that Baumgartner 
had power, and she knew how to use it. She she had natural strength, she had speed, and uh, she had a pretty good chin. And I I just thought that she was going to plow right through Harper because Harper, another reason I, I, I thought she was going to win is that Harper broke her hand. She hadn't been fighting. Uh, she had so cancellations, and she was taking somebody on like Baumgartner. I was like, wow, that's I just don't see Baumgartner losing to Terry Harper because I knew she was going to catch her, and I knew that Harper doesn't have the greatest of chins, and um, that's why. That's the simple reason why. No, not records. I, I really don't look at records. I like I like to look at a person fight to see what they got. I agree. I base it on the time. And we can't deny the fact that Alicia Baumgartner has skills. I mean, she does. She knows how to box and everything. But, you know, we got to look at the record as well. I mean, you have to see who has the position in her against, you know. And quite honestly, like, yeah. I mean, if you, if, if, you, if you would put these two fighters inside the ring, you know, and they started, you know, just shadow boxing, I would tell you that Alicia Baumgartner is the better fighter just from watching her shadow box or whatever, like, she throws the better punches. She knows she has the better technique. She has the better, more talent. She's more skillful. But if then if you go and look at their resume and see who they fought, you would see that Terry Harper is a world-class fighter and Alicia Baumgartner is not, you know, from what they fought. But from what we see with our own eyes, you would obviously agree that Alicia Baumgartner is a better fighter. Now, I, I'm going be, to believe that Alicia Baumgartner is a world-class fighter in her first defense depending on who they put her against. They're not going to be able to put her against a 5-2, and two, which was her last fight before Terry Harper, Vanessa Bradford. They're not going to put her against an 11-12-2 and 12 and two against Cristina Del Valle Pacheco, who was the fight before that. You know, once she defends that title and solidifies herself as a world champion, then I will be able to call her world class. Lupi, am I wrong? Or do you agree with David? No, I, you're not wrong. And I know what David's saying because he's not wrong. You look at somebody and you, you see how they fight. But when you do break it down like you did on black and white and paper, yeah, you might some might look and go, yeah, but she can really shadow box. And she, but I guess in the ring maybe she fails. So was she, was it an upset? Yeah, I mean that could have been an upset. I, when looking back, I also looked at how when she broke her hand, she came back too fast and. And she broke it again. I thought that kind of even the playing field for Alicia it brought her, it brought Terry down, and Alicia was coming up. And that's I also thought she was going to take it. She was going to take Terry Harper. But I thought that that broken hand kind of leveled leveled it for her. But I did think she was going to win. Alicia was going to win. Well, let's see what happens at 135. Like we mentioned, there is there is the door opens. For 125, 135, I mean 135. At 130, Alicia Baumgartner has work to do. Can she be a human choice? Maybe with that power, you know, with her skill set, she can possibly. Does she beat a Michaela Mayer? I don't think so. David, do you think she beats Michaela Mayer? That's a hell of a good fight. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's like a, a, a famous trainer once told me a well, I mean, you know, you know him, and so does uh, Loopy Ben Lira. He, mm-hmm. he has this philosophy that power is a big equalizer. Mm-hmm. 
because you could be winning nine, ten rounds, but if you got power, the other fighter has power, that one punch can equalize everything. And that's what he used to see in uh, in Montes, in John Montes, uh, John Molina. Mm-hmm. You know, John Molina would get outboxed, and then boom, he knocked the other guy out, and that's it. Fight over. Yeah, so I think a big bomb guarder, Go ahead, David. Yeah, Baumgartner has that equalizer power. Yeah, she does. So we'll see. We'll see. But but I mean, honorable mention, I believe, in my opinion, would be um, Baumgartner over Terry. I mean, over Terry Harper as far as upset of the year. Now, breakout of the year is Ebony Bridges. David, we're gonna have to cut it short because we're only got five minutes left. So let's go. Um, let's go just round. Let's just go really fast uh, through all these breakout. Is Ebony Bridges from Australia? Obviously, great fighter. Uh, tough, started off a little bit late in her career, but uh, but she has shown a lot of potential. KO of the year, no doubt, Alicia Baumgartner over Terry Harper. Awesome knockout where she leaves Terry Harper knocked out on her feet. Fight of the year, also no doubt, Mikaela Mayer over Mava Hamadouche. And fighter of the year, even though some people have stated or some publications or websites have stated Amanda Serrano, we went with Sinister Strata after two world titles. I think that she had a great 2021 and can only expect great of 2020. Now, the zone recently put out the female fights that they want to see for 2022. And it was no surprise that they named only fighters under their banner. So Katie Taylor against Amanda Serrano, obviously the fight that everybody wants to see Chantel Cameron against Callie Rees, which is basically a done deal for the first trimester of 2022 Jessica McCaskill over the winner of Katie Taylor, against the winner of Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, and Terry Harper against Natasha Jonas, the rematch number two. Now, I, for the two-minute round and the prizefighters.com, also put up a list of fights that I would like to see in 2022, and I'm going to share those with you fairly quickly. Siniesta uh, Strata against Yucasta Valle, we talked about that unification fight at 105 pounds. Both of them have stated that they want that fight. Marlene Esparza against Fuyoka, which David states also unification fight that that David is pretty sure they're going to see in 2022. Uh, I would like to see Lourdes Juarez, La Pequeña Lulu against Adelaida Lacoba Ruiz. I think Ruiz deserves that fight after mm. um, that, um, that mm. um, uh, uh, headbutt with Sonoria Osorio for the interim championship. Julianne Luna against Jackie Nava. I think Nava is on her way out, but I think she could pass on the baton to Julianne Lu- Nava. Uh, Michaela Mayer against Alicia Baumgartner. Obviously, that's, that's a no-brainer at 130 pounds. Katie Taylor over Amanda, against Amanda Serrano at 135. Chantel Cameron against Callie Reese at 140. Obviously, obviously, we said a done deal. But one fight that I didn't see in any other list is Mary McGee against Jessica Camara, which I think will be a fun fight. Two of the losers of that 140-pound tournament, but I think it would make a fun fight. And the other fight that nobody's talking about, which I think should be next, is Jessica McCaskill against Alma Ibarra, because Alma Ibarra is Jessica McCaskill's mandatory challenger. So let's see if McCaskill and her team go around Alma Ibarra or they actually look to defend against her. David, fairly quickly, have you heard anything about this fight making it happen? 
McCaskill and Ibarra? No, I haven't heard a thing yet. Okay, so several I mean, several months I've, ago, Rick Ramos said no on social but media. But then how can they deny yeah, it? I mean, months. how can they deny it if she's the mandatory? I mean, unless unless you know the 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 sanctioning body doesn't do their job and mandate it, that's the only way that they can get away from it. So. So I think that that uh, that's a fight that I definitely want to see for 2022, and the fight that I always put on my list since we started writing this list is Raquel Miller against Maricela Cornejo, which I hope to see that sometime before I die. And just so you know, our next show is January 20th, um, Thursday, January 20th, and fairly quickly we got 90 seconds. Our upcoming calendar, not much to see. Friday, January 7th, from Argentina, Evelyn Bermudez tomorrow night. Uh, defends her 108-pound uh, IBF title against Yadita Perez. And Friday, January 14th, from Panama, Gabriela Fundora, the younger sister of the towering inferno, Sebastian Fundora, <laughs> takes on Natalie Delgado in a 10-rounder. Her first 10-rounder with only four, four fights for the 112th vacant WBC Latino title. Our next show is January 20th. With that said, from... Lupe Gutierrez and Mr. David Avila. I'm Felipe Leon. Two minute round. Hooks and just look at female boxing. We bid you good night. January 20th is our next show. Special guest on the books. We'll tell you sooner to the to the date. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you very much.